Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the adoration. For you are good and there is no one else like you. Lord, as we come before you to learn at your feet, to study, to be edified, strengthened, encouraged, we ask that none of our expectations will be cut short in Jesus' name. Everyone under the sound of my voice, whether physically or electronically, they receive the piercing word of God into their hearts and it engrafts them, establishes them in the present truth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Can we demand together for Jesus? Hallelujah. I believe we can do that much better. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. All right, let's converge at the middle of the columns. All right. And um, there seems to be a lot of echo in this mic. Maybe it's because we're not so many, so there's a lot of feedback. Or because I'm down here, perhaps. Not, not really. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here on a Thursday evening. Hallelujah. Welcome your neighbor to church once again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. It's been quite a while. Hope you're good. Awesome. All right. Are we ready for God's word? So um, I'd like us to just share the statuses that those who are still at work or in transit can benefit from this Bible study because it is one that will be very defining, especially in the coming year and years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it'll be a teaching this evening. So we're going to be going, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, and just enjoying fellowship in the study of God's Word together. Is that okay? All right. Um, I'd like us to come forward as well. Those who are back, you know, at the back, let's just, maybe from the cameraman, you know, nobody should be sitting at that spot, apart from perhaps <laughs> Tiara and Auntie Jella. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let's open our Bibles to just establish... Um, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Hallelujah. Are you excited about Bible study? <laughs> Amen. Isaiah chapter 11 from verse 1. The Bible says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. All right? And the effect of all of these spirits upon Jesus, who is being spoken of prophetically here in Isaiah 11, is that it, sh it shall make him of quick understanding, all right, in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge according to the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing 
of his ears. That means the judgments that Jesus will be making in his life, all right, in his ministry. It will not be dependent on the things that he sees, the things that he hears. He will judge from a higher realm, from a higher place, from a place of discernment. So he's saying here that the seven dimensions of the Spirit of God upon Jesus Christ will result in accuracy in discernment. Amen. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10. Philippians chapter 1. The Bible says, And this I that your love may abound in knowledge judgment. All right? One of the evidences of the love of God improving and increasing and abounding in your life is that there will be knowledge and there will be accuracy in judgment. He says you will be able to approve things that are excellent. Other translations talk about judgment as discernment. All right? He says you'll be able to approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let's read all those verses, the same verses, Philippians chapter 1, 9 and 10 in Amplified and uh, perhaps NLT or NIV. So this is what it says in Amplified. It says here that, and this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth in real knowledge and in practical insight so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of christ that means without discernment purity will be impossible because if you are not discerning you will get into a mess without even knowing you would have gotten yourself into a situation that you won't be able to get out of because you didn't discern that situation accurately. And so one of the ways and strategies to stay pure in these last days is to not travel alone. It's to travel with, with discernment. So it says that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, actually living lives that lead others away, away from sin, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God so that his glory may be both revealed and recognized. Now let's read that in NLT. NLT verse 9. He says, I pray that your love will overflow. Praise God. Someone say overflow. That means love can overflow. Love can grow. Love can abound. Love can increase in an increasing measure. That's what it means to abound. So he says, love will overflow, your love will overflow. That means you may have a little dimension of love at a certain stage in your Christian experience. But the objective is to continue to grow and abound in love. And one of the proofs of your growth in love is knowledge and judgment, practical insights. He says, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand that I want you to understand what discernment, to be able to put things into proper context, perspectives, and categories of weights. That is, it's not everything that means the same thing in equal measure. You need to be able to recognize differences. It's discernment. Your ability to know what is right per time. Moral differences, Amplified says. Praise the name of the Lord. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruits of your righteousness, of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory 
and praise to the Lord. Let's read it in message. So this is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love, but you, he said that you will not only love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent. Praise God. A lot of people's love is not intelligent. It's irrational. You know, because when they are loving, they lose their minds. They just love this guy. There's nothing anybody can tell them. Anyone that stands between them and this guy is a bad belay. Doesn't and they just feel like, you know what? You don't understand. My heart knows what it wants. You see, and um, that's how a lot of people land themselves in a lot of trouble. Praise the name of the Lord. So he says, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. I like that. Not sentimental gush of feelings. Live a lover's life. Circumspect and exemplary. A life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. You know, a lot of times we walk in love, but the effect of that is that people walk all over us. It's not love. All right? When you see someone taking advantage of you and you willingly allow it, that's not love. All right? Because for every time you do not stand against the victimization of yourself by another, you have created a pathway for the victimization of others by the same person. And so when you do not, he says, let your love have sense. That's what he's saying here. Let your love be emotionally intelligent. Know when you are, you see, you must be in charge. Whilst you are loving, it's something that you must be in control of. It's not something someone can just hijack and say, are you not a Christian? Uh, is that not what your Bible teaches? And they bully you into submission when actually they're just being malicious. And it's not a love that is guided by intelligence and discernment. It's one that is just fickle and uh, you're just being sentimental and you don't want people to not like you and so you're just doing everything to pander to people's feelings that's not love all right remember again without truth love does not mean anything amen so remember what we said remember uh, that was a number of um comes ago when we're talking about speaking the truth in love how that the truth all right without truth love is less loving and without love, truth is less truthful. So when you're communicating truth and it travels without love, that truth reduces in its intensity and capacity as truth. Alright, and when you're communicating love, quote unquote, and it lacks truth, it becomes flattery. And it's no longer love. Because it lacks truth. It lacks the substance of truth. Truth is what you can always verify no matter what dispensation you present the evidence. It is always verifiable because it's truth. It doesn't panda, it doesn't change. All right? So when someone is trying to take advantage, let them know that you recognize the folly that they are trying to, you know, execute. Let them understand it. That you're not someone that you can just be, you know, Jesus could have just went, you know, like, you know, Bible says he went to the sharers, you know, like a lamb to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth, but he spoke to Pilate. When Pilate was beginning to uh, arrogate to himself a certain capacity that was beyond his pay degree, all right? He had to tell him that, say, oh God, oh God, wait, wait, you can't, you are not the one that can release me. I laid down my life and I pick it up again. And he made it very clear to Pilate. Because the truth and the love must come together to be balanced. That is, if you lack truth, your love cannot be complete. If you lack love, your truth cannot be effectual. Amen. Amen. And so discernment is very key. 
You can't afford to be sentimental. You don't want to know how many people have gotten into lifetime commitments on the strength of sentimental persuasions. All right? We, we read all kinds of things in the news these days. How you someone just gets married to someone. You are, you are seeing signs, but you just felt, ah, my first, my first boyfriend, my first person, and you fell in love with the guy. And you are seeing absolute signs of this guy, this guy, and you just continue to severe your conscience and, you know, sear it, and you, 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 you allowed your sentiments to take the better part of you. That is not love. In fact, a lot of times, it's selfishness. And I'm going to show you predisposing factors that makes discernment ineffective in a person's life. That is, if you have those things in your life, those predispositions, if you have them, discernment will be very weak. And I'll show you examples in Scripture. Amen. Because in the year 2024, there will be many voices. As a matter of fact, this is something we must be revising every year. Because uh, we, in this world, just being on social media, you have plethora of voices. Everybody is saying different things about the same thing. Which one do you listen to? Which one? How do you judge? How do you discern? How do you know what to do? Praise God. Hallelujah. But before we get deep into what discernment is all about, we, we have a, a neighbor to discernment, which is called the discerning of spirits. How many of you know about the discerning of spirits? The discerning of spirits is one of the gifts and the manifestations of the gifts of the spirit under the revelation gifts. All right? The discerning of spirits. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 10. The Bible says here that to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, another discerning of spirits. And that means already discerning of spirits cannot be optimizable by every believer. Because it says to another. That is, it is not everybody that will have the same levels of gifts as far as the gift of the spirit is concerned. Not everybody will have all the nine manifesting in their lives in equal measure and degree. It is as, as the spirit wills. So that already tells you that discernment and the discerning of spirits are two different faculties under the same Holy Spirit. One is for every believer. That's discernment. But the other one, the gift of the, uh, the, gift of the discerning of spirits is a manifestation of the gift of the spirit in a believer at the whim of the Holy Spirit. At the behest of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one that determines who works in what, at what time in what degree at what measure it's the holy spirit that determines that it's not you you can't just say now i want to be discerning in the spirit it's the holy spirit that wheels it and depending on the faculty or depending on the office that you occupy or the assignment that god has given to you per time it will determine the tools that god gives you to do that work and so the same way you you, you want to farm or you you hire farmers you give them tools to work with so if you hire a prophet the holy ghost being the one that is the employer of labor so he hires a prophet one of the tools he gives the prophet are revelation gifts words of wisdom word of prophecy or word of wisdom discerning of spirits word of knowledge and then there's the vocal gift as well that goes with the office of the prophet so these are some of the tools that a prophet has. So in a prophetic ministry, there will be a more intensified manifestation of the gifts of discerning of spirits than in most other offices. Because his office requires that tool in a lot of frequency, in a higher dimension, in a higher measure. And so that is not the discernment we're talking about. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to be showing you five differences between discernment and the discerning of spirits. 
Discernment is what every single believer must have. You can grow in it. You can abound in it. And it's a right for you. It's like the gift of faith and the normal Christian faith that comes at new birth. Do you understand? So the normal Christian faith that comes at new birth, everybody has been dealt the measure of faith. Romans 12. Hallelujah. However, the gift of faith is not for everybody. It comes on some people at the whim of the Holy Spirit. He decides who he wants to use in the capacity of someone with the gift of faith. Heard of a man at some point in his life, he was going to work and the place he typically goes to work through, all right, there was an accident there and a lot of people died and on the, on the floor, you know, dead, blooded, <laughs> bloody, everywhere was, you know, it was really terrible. Everybody had died, literally. Everybody was dead, dead. And this man was going and they were obstructing his movement to work. So what does he do? He, he receives the gift of faith and then he steps out of his car and he begins to wake everybody up. <laughs> And he begins to wake them up and say, get up, I need to get to work, get up, get up, get up. Because he needs to get to work, God had to raise them from the dead. That is the gift of faith. When you look at the sun and you tell it to stand still, that is the gift of faith. These are manifestations of the gift of faith. Things that normal human beings cannot think up. It takes a supernatural empowerment. And in a moment, in a flash, it can be lifted. Because it is as the spirit wills. It is not for self-aggrandizement. It's not just because, oh well, you know, you're a star, God wants to make you shine. No, it's because God has a purpose for that gift, for that time, for that season. And so he empowers a person to manifest that particular gift. So that is not something you can grow in. Amen. You can learn how to wield it. You can learn how to be skillful at manifesting it, but you can't grow in it. It's not at your, you know, disposal. To walk in the gifts of the Spirit predominantly. It is at the behest of the Holy Spirit. It is as the Spirit uh, wills. It is He that determines the governments, the administrations, the operations, and the dynamic manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. So, five differences. Five differences between discernment and the discerning of spirits. Hallelujah. Now, discernment comes as part of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And growth in the Spirit is equivalent to growth in discernment. There are some of the differences when it comes to discernment. Discernment comes as part of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Growth in the Spirit is equivalent to growth in discernment. But the discernment of spirits comes as a gift of the Spirit, not growth. That is, you can't grow in the manifestation of the gift of the discerning of spirits. Because it's not dependent on the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift at the will of the Spirit of God. But discernment, you can grow in it. Evidenced by Philippians chapter 1. As your love is abounding, it's abounding in knowledge and discernment. Number two, discernment can grow as our love grows. Still talking about its capacity to grow. Discernment can grow as our love grows. The gift doesn't essentially grow because it is, an, it is as the spirit wills, but it can be more regular in some offices and assignments than others. Prophets, intercessors, etc. Alright? So the first thing is that it comes as part of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that it can grow as our love grows. That's discernment relative to the discerning of spirits. Number three, discern discernment is something every believer should have. So every believer should have access to discernment and already has access to discernment. 
as long as you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But not every believer will have access to the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit known as the discerning of spirits. Number four, discernment often operates as a knowing. Discernment often operates as a knowing. Discerning of spirits often operates as activation of your spiritual senses in the supernatural realm. And I would explain some of the differences even further. All right? Discernment is connected to love. The discerning of spirits is not necessarily connected to love. You can discern things happening in the spirit as a gift without having a good love walk. Amen. But your discernment is dependent on your love walk. All right? Now, let's define this, this discernment. Let's define discernment. Amen. Amen. Discernment, um, this is the definition I give to discernment. And I'll give you another brilliant definition that someone shared with me today. Discernment is the ability to def differentiate. Look at that. Discernment is, is very simple, short. Discernment is the ability to differentiate sources without relying on sensual, carnal, or natural cues. That's discernment. The ability to differentiate sources. Sources can be a spirit, can be a motive. Because motive may not be a spirit. But motive is the original intention of the heart of the person that is saying something. And then you are able to discern their motive. Now, you may not know it accurately. So the same way, you know, the gift usually is more intense and more dramatic than the natural empowerment that comes from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to normal natural faith or the normal Christian faith and the gift of faith, you can also see the difference. When the gift of faith is at work, the, the, the reason why God usually impacts on the gift of faith is because the, the magnitude of what is required, a natural faith would have needed to grow for several years, perhaps, to attain that stature. And so a gift will just come and achieve it at once. In the same vein, when it comes to discernment, it's like GPS, all right? When it comes to discernment, discernment may just be you know not to go forward. You know to stay. You know to turn right. You know to turn left. The gift of discernment of spirit will tell you why. It would get into the realm of the spirit and begin to show you why. So it's like, for example, if you have somebody beside you who knows the road, the person will tell you right, left. The person will not tell you how many meters to turn right, are we? The person will not tell you, okay, this is how much you spend in traffic. These are the details that a GPS system will tell you. But someone standing beside you will just tell you left, right, stay, put, you know, move forward. That is what discernment is like. You, you, you. You get a sense of the final idea of the leading of the spirit. But the descendant of spirits gets into the details. So you can tell the, if, is the right bend a bend, a U-turn, or a sharp bend. All right? GPS can show you that. It will tell you how long you need to stay in that traffic before you escape it. It will tell you how far you are to your destination. It goes into the details. It tells you how many restaurants are around where you are. And it goes into the details. So the discerning of spirits enters into the realm of the spirit and activates your spiritual senses that are parallel to your natural senses. So in the realm of the spirit, you have a seeing eyes. In the realm of the spirit, you have hearing ears. In the realm of the spirit, you have perceiving senses. You can, everything that is a natural sense, the natural senses, there is a spiritual equivalent to each of them. And at the, in that realm, you are able to see almost like a three-dimensional world parallel to this world. So it's a very graphic empowerment. You are able to see things as graphically as I'm seeing you right now. You will see things in such a graphic mode. Amen. 
However, if your discernment is good, if you have a strong level of discernment, you will not miss not having the discerning of spirits. I'll say that again. If, if all you have is discernment, which is the natural you know, ability to discern, right? You wouldn't have missed not having the discerning of spirits. Those that have the discerning of spirits, there is a reason why details is revealed to them. And it's usually for ministering to others. As far as discernment is concerned, the primary beneficiary of discernment is you. So, don't be obsessed about, oh, I want to be able to discern. See, focus on discernment first. That's, that's the focus of this teaching. Because that one, you can't grow in the manifestation of the discerning of spirits. You can live all your Christian life and never have a single vision from God. And if all your life's ambition is to see God walk into your room and, you know, you see all those things the way men of God have said it, you just might become deceived. Something will walk into your room. Because you, you desire, you want to see something. You want to hear voices. Back on campus, on OU campus, we heard of stories of some guys who fasted for, for several days, maybe even months, you know, and they entered another realm. See? You know, this is what happened to Enoch. There are, there are dimensions you will enter into the realm of the spirit. You can't come back again. So Enoch did not die. He just, he explored the landscapes of the spirit and he couldn't navigate back. And he left, just left. Kenneth Hagin will write this in his books, how that there are times he will get into some domains and he will deliberately ask the Holy Spirit to let the power wane so that he will stop seeing, because if he gets too deep, he may not be able to return. The realm of the spirit has several layers, several terrains, several territories, several landscapes, several, several. If the natural world has billions upon billions of galaxies, the natural world, how more pregnant is the spiritual world? How more pregnant of possibilities and dimensions? So these guys wanted to see things because they are principalities, they are powers. They are rulers of darkness in this world. They are spiritual wickedness in high places. And if you begin to go beyond the simplicity of the gospel and you begin to desire things at an extreme measure so that you can have some power and demonstrate it and be seen as one powerful man of God, at some point you will become so desperate for performance that you are not submit to the will of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit may not be willing to move in that direction that day. But because you have to perform, you have to now go another route to get the outcome of what only the Spirit should be organizing. And then the, Holy Spirit, the, the devil can then be that way of escape. So you can get some manifestations. So these guys got into that realm and they, they really had power, trust me, but it was not from God. They will look at the person and they will say, see, you will fall now, you will fall now, and you will fall and they will, just, they will start laughing. So that, that was the objective. You'll be hearing tongues like, e -fufu lele, e lao lao. What, what is the meaning of that? Or for less. <laughs> like, they, they were speaking in tongues, though. Oh, yeah. Yes. They were speaking in tongues. <laughs> Incantation, raw. <laughs> e fufu leleke. E Where did you get that from? <laughs> and these guys had, I mean, they would call for a meeting, everyone would be packed. They, they would, they've not even touched, they are falling or they are slain. And that's what happens when you become obsessed with manifestations of the gifts and you forget the growth in the spirit and the growth in love. This is why the fruit must come before the gifts in terms of priority, weight, and in the, the degree of pursuit. You must pursue to grow in the fruit of the spirit. 
Amen. Amen. So discernment is what we must pay attention to. At the behest of the Holy Spirit, it can, because one of the ways that the manifestation of the discernment of spirits comes along is through dreams, through visions, trances, all right, open visions, all kinds of manifestations of the spirit where you, 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 you're, you're in a place and you just see things so clearly. You're seeing all kinds of graphic images, all right. Uh, so if you're someone that dreams a lot, that is a manifestation of the discernment of spirits. You dream a lot and you're able to see things. You're able to see things like graphically. You're able to see into the realm of the spirit. That is, it is detailed. Discernment is just a knowing. There isn't much detail. You just know, don't go. Stay. All right? That's not the person. Yeah, you just begin to, you will be experiencing it like it were a real reality. It's, it, it's a realm. <laughs> and it's even more real than our natural realm. Because the, 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 the natural realm is governed by that realm. So it's more real than the realm you are in now. And it can become addictive. Mm. It can become addictive. When you, you know, Enoch, Enoch walked with God and he was not. <laughs> He, he didn't die, he just ceased. He ceased to be. Because he had, he had explored so many. You know, the guy talked about the return of Jesus, Enoch. He talked about how Jesus was going to come back the second time. He saw that far. See how far back he existed. He was the seventh man from Adam. And he saw when Jesus was going to return. He saw the entire landscape of the human genealogy at that time. <laughs> He explored things. The spiritual, and it, you know, the more you get into that space, let me, let me, let me not get too far ahead of myself, all right? But because I can, I can excite you <laughs> about the discerning of spirits that when you live here, you just say, Lord, <laughs> I want to see things. Calm down. Love your brother. That, that's the objective. Love your brother. Don't, don't be obsessed about seeing things. Calm down. Okay? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So discernment is the ability to differentiate sources without relying on sensual, carnal, or natural cues. A great definition here again is that discernment is the ability to know or become aware of anything in or out of alignment with the character, the nature, and personality of God, verifiable by His Word, and the witnessing of His Holy Spirit. I'll take that again. Discernment is the ability to know or become aware of anything in or out of alignment with the character, the nature, and the personality of God, verifiable by His Word and the witnessing of His Holy Spirit. I'll say the last time. Discernment is the ability to know or become aware of anything in or out of alignment with the character, the nature, and the personality of God, verifiable by His Word, and the witnessing of his Holy Spirit. It is discernment that will not make you listen to some songs, even if they say Jesus inside it. It's discernment. Something in you will not just be comfortable. The other day I was listening to a carol, and I will say these things because that is my role, to instruct you. All right? Because sometimes we are so 
we're so careful. We don't want to criticize. We're not trying to criticize. We're trying to judge things. And when you, say, when you judge things, it's just rather unfortunate that people are the ones behind the things you are judging. You're not judging people. You love people, but you're judging things. And if someone does that thing, then he's also judged. And that's why the Bible says, judge yourself. So you be not judged. So and I, and I hear a carol about Jesus and then they're calling Jesus. just to sound trendy that you lose honor and reverence for your Lord and Savior and then you just become casual and then Jesus is bomboy you know even the name is a little derogatory and then you just you just and you are not, not using it in the context of, of you know like trying to say he's not you are, you are literally calling him that and you are making it clear that this is who you are celebrating just so that you can I mean how how much is your rhyme worth? Just because you want to rhyme. You want to make what you're saying rhyme with the previous thing you have said so that there's a rhyme. You now create all kinds of things. So that, so, and, and that's what happens when you begin to discern things that are not consistent with the character of God. Something in you will just, it will just not be comfortable. That's discernment at work. Any, see, listen, only believers can say follow your heart. Only believers. You cannot be... Anyone who is not a believer, you, what, what is your heart to follow? Your heart is desperately wicked. That's what the Bible teaches. You are not a Christian, you want to follow your heart. It will land you in hell. You don't follow your heart if you are not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, you are loving the Lord, you are delighting yourself in Him, you can follow your heart. Because you are delighting yourself in the Lord and it will fulfill the desires of your heart. But if you are not a Christian, you don't follow the Lord, you don't love the Lord, you don't study His Word, you don't pray... You don't fellowship with him and you are following your heart. The Bible already tells us the nature of your heart. It says the heart of man is desperately wicked above all else. So you can search it. Even the man cannot search his heart. The man who owns that wicked heart cannot search it. And this is what David said, search me, O God. He said if there's any wicked way in me, remember Jeremiah said the heart of man is desperately wicked and twisted. David knew his incapacity to search his own heart. So he asked God to search his heart. Praise the name of the Lord. So you are liking a guy and then you go to your girlfriend. He's beating me but I love him and all that. And they say, follow your heart. Your heart is twisted. Because wicked there talks about twistedness. It's twisted. It doesn't even, it does, it's like a convoluted root system. You can't trace it. It's too complicated. But there's something called the word of God. Quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of thoughts and intent of the heart. You cannot know yourself more than the word of God reveals to you. You can't. So it is the word of God that actually does the discerning, the surgical realignment, analysis, separation, categorization, putting into boxes and labels what is in your heart. Left to you, you can't, you can't sort your heart out. Your heart is like a junkyard. You can't do anything about it. But the word of God comes there and it begins to sort it, put it into category. This one is immoral. This one is corrupt. This one is not, it's not good for you. And then puts other thoughts in categories and says, these are the ones you, sh you should be consuming. It discerns the thoughts and intents. Praise the name of the Lord. So you're not following God's word, you do not love him, and you want to follow your heart. 
you are in a one chance vehicle that that's that's clear okay so you must be very very careful the heart you are following it's the heart that is following and panting after the lord as the water brooks that's the heart that is worth following so the gift of discerning of spirits is a more detailed version of discernment discernment is like simply understanding the fundamentals of a navigation system right left up down that's all discerning of spirit is like the knowing of the specific meters before turning if the turn is a bend or a sharp turn the terrains of the road how much traffic is ahead etc every believer should walk in discernment but not every believer may operate in the gift of the discerning of spirit i already explained all this discerning of spirit makes you see into the realm of the spirit and sometimes engages with elements from that realm where you are talking to angels you are rebuking demons you know you are engaging the elements in that realm actually all right discerning of spirits so trans visions dreams open visions are channels engaged by the gift of the discerning of spirits i've not had many manifestations of the gift of discerning of spirits in my personal walk with god i've not all right here and there it happens but it's not a regular occurrence but for the ministry of a prophet you see that happening regularly every believer should be discerning but not every believer will possess the gift of discerning of spirits if all you understand and walk in is discernment, you won't miss not having the gift of discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is often more predominant in the office of the prophets because of the peculiarity of their office. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, I already explained all this. Uh, let me read, it, read this out. What makes discernment powerful is its ability to shield you from deception. Anyone walking in discernment cannot be deceived. At least not for long. You can't be deceived in the long term. You can't. Something will make it obvious that you are in the wrong path. Something. And that is why there are predispositions that weaken your discernment. You must avoid those things. There are predispositions. We're getting there. Amen. Amen. God did not design for any of his children to be susceptible to deception. So, Every Christian should build their discernment. Everything can be right in the natural. Hey. Without discernment, you may never be able to tell the difference. Good or bad, how did Eve eventually go out? Because there was not, it didn't look any different from the tree that God told them to eat. It didn't look obviously evil. In fact, he said it was, it looked good. Did see. Let me just say this, and I will get there eventually, but let me just say here. The primary reason why people get into wrong relationships is covetousness. Yes. Covetousness. Covetousness makes you extremely fleshly. You judge everything by appearance. Everything. Everything by appearance. Everything is by appearance. Whenever everything clicks, as far as the appearance go, you just go with it. You don't even pray about it because, ah, can this not, this one, there's nothing bad about it. This one is good. God, can't you see? <laughs> yeah, telling God, <laughs> see this thing now. See as she said. Like Ma said, she just said. <laughs> say, ah, see, see everything just, she did come, she be big. You'll be convincing God. God, <laughs> see, now, see this babe now. 
And it's because you are so dominated by your carnal, sensual, natural senses. It's the fastest way to get it wrong. But we'll get there. Because there are a lot of examples ahead of us. Are we ready? Now, let's also get to another subject matter under this topic of discernment. What discernment is not. Before we begin to get into, you know, examples of discernment and all that. What discernment is not. What are the things that we know is not discernment? Number one, discernment is not suspicion. Discernment is not suspicion. You know? It's not suspicion. Someone comes to the office, dresses better than you. You say this guy is proud. This guy wants to take my wants to take my my role. He you now begin to suspect him. Is insecurity that you're projecting a suspicion? That's not that's not discernment. Mm, mm, this guy. Mm, that's not discernment. Is your insecurity you are projecting, and you're not suspecting someone that is just living his life. Instead of to go and ask for his plug, <laughs> just ask. Is BLC your plug? Oh, that's my plug. That's my plug. <laughs> Don't just ask for his plug, but you're you not competing. And I say, no, you know, he, he has it in agenda. Remember, I get back in that song, right? The two guys that were plotting against the guy that was just living his life, getting promoted and just living his life, they were plotting against him. And they wanted evil to befall him. And it was their insecurity. When did he enter this office? Well, see, he's just rising. Join up with him instead of competing. All right? So, Discernment is not suspicion. Some people are just naturally suspicious. Don't be that way. Amen. Discernment is not being overly critical. You are very hard to please. You see all the wrong in everything. People bring something to you and the first thing you see is the 1% that is wrong. Say, I have heightened discernment. Nothing passes my... No, 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 no. You are just very critical. <laughs> all right. That, that's not discernment. That's you being overly critical. All right? So discernment is not being over, overly critical. Discernment is not suspicion. Discernment is not paranoia. Don't trust people. People will work five years to earn one ounce of trust. <laughs> one ounce. <laughs> when will you trust them? <laughs> and just for being humane, just for being human beings, they come late for, they say, ah, where were you for that one minute that you came late? Abba. And then the one ounce they got after five years, they lose it again, it's gone. So you're a very paranoid person. Usually people don't become paranoid for no reason. It's because of the experiences they've had in the past. But if you're here and then you're paranoid, you don't trust people very easily, trust God. Trust God. When you learn to trust God, you will begin to trust people. You begin to trust people. Trust God. Because God will bring people to you. And it is on the strength of the trust you have for God that you will then begin to trust people. So trust God. When you're paranoid, it's because you don't really trust God. Alright? You don't trust God. Trust God. I understand your past experiences are very damaging and you've had hurts and stuff and you don't want to go back into that pit again. But trust God. Heal. Fully heal. And God will lead you again into new relationships that would excite you, that would blow your mind. It would be amazing. Okay? Discernment is not risk aversion. Discernment is not risk aversion. Some people are so risk averse, there is a clear opportunity in front of them. They exaggerate the potential for loss far more than the opportunity for success. 
the fact that there is a slight potential for loss, no, they will not do it. Though. They will not explore. They will not risk anything. Remember I said it at Hunger Games that Christians should be the most, we should have the highest appetite for risk. Because I give the logic, if God is our everything, that means you don't need to add anything with God for you to have everything. If you have God, you have everything. Then if you have $500,000 with God, you still have everything, right? If they take $500,000 from you, but you still have God, you still have everything. So you must go into life understanding that if they take everything from you, coat of many colors, your visa, your application, everything, but you still have God, you still have everything. That should make you more predisposed to taking risks because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you lose it, you have God, you have everything. If you don't lose it, of course, God has made your way prosperous. So you don't lose for losing. Amen? Because you have God. He's the irreducible minimum in your life. So risk aversion should be something that Christians should not be closely associated with. All right? That's not discernment when you're very risk averse. Mm. And then when the thing now feels, I said it, it was not discernment. Because that's how you said it for all the ones that did, did well too. <laughs> but your said it did not work. <laughs> and eventually those investments that you thought were going to fail, they did well. But you didn't say I said it then. But it's the ones that failed just because of probability that you then begin to emphasize and emphasize that you see, I said it, I said it. I said. Don't be risk averse. Of course, do your research. But don't be risk averse. You have God. He's the irreducible minimum. Lose everything in this world, you still have him. Job lost everything. Had God. Got everything back. Multiple folds. Because that's what God can do. He has all the power in the world. Okay? Amen. And then discernment is not baseless hesitation. Very close to risk aversion as well. Baseless hesitation. You're just, you're just very conservative about what God has given you or things he has told you to do, you're very, very hesitant about, you're just, you're too careful. Take hold of the land. Shoot as many times. This guy shoots three times or twice, and Prophet Elisha is upset. Like, how about you just shoot as many times as possible? Instead of being too conservative, now you're going to only defeat this guy twice or three times. Instead of you to have shot as many times as possible, so that you completely eradicate them. Amen. Just hesitant. You're not, amen. So that's not discernment. Amen. So we've, we've sorted out that regard. Now, examples of discerning of spirits and examples of um, discernment. Let's start with discernment. Amen? Amen. Are we together? Yes, All right, let's start with discernment. Examples of discernment in Scripture. Abraham and the three angels in human form. That's discernment, not discerning of spirits. Hallelujah. That's discernment. You see, you see why love is strongly tied to discernment. Hebrews chapter 13 says, let us learn to entertain strangers because some have entertained angels unawares. So if they did not have bowels of compassion, they wouldn't have discerned them. Now, Abraham was not doing what he was doing, thinking he was talking to God or he was doing something for God. He, was, he just sensed that something, there's something powerful about this moment. And if you go there very quickly, I believe Genesis... <clears throat> 18, 19, or 20. Let's, let me be sure now. I think it's 18. Good. 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat at the tent in the heat of the day, and lifted up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground and said, My Lord, 
if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. And uh, wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a muscle of bread and comfort you and your heart. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened, circle hastened, hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly. Circle another I mean, circle quickly again. Three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the herd. And Abraham ran, look at that, unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to the young man and hasted to dress. And they took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? See, like I said last week, Indirect encounters with God through men is more powerful than direct, direct encounters with God. Everything God had promised Abraham was dependent on his right discernment of human beings who came as God. Why didn't God just... I mean, this was the most critical moment in the life and ministry of Abraham. And God ensured that it was not obvious to him. That it would require honor for men. That last bus stop, you have been waiting for 25 years. This is, the, this is the last year of waiting. Because from this moment, they prophesied unto Sarah, and the next year, she already had a child. So this was the most critical point in his entire faith journey. And God ensured that that last mile was dependent on his ability to honor men. If you don't see God in men, you won't see God in God. If you don't see God in men, there's nobody that will see God and will not fear and say, this is God. But the moment you begin to see God in men, then you are ready for encounters. Because that means you don't just, you don't just casualize conversations anymore. The moment Abraham saw these three men, they, were, they just stood. They looked like they didn't know what they were going to do. It looked like they were confused and they needed some place to rest their head. And the Bible says, look at how many times the word quickly, hasten, ran was used. There was a sense of urgency about this. This is a very powerful moment in destiny. He didn't know what was going to turn out into he didn't think he was going to birth a child for him he was just doing his own in the spirit of the moment that these people are special people he discerned them he didn't see in the realm of the spirit his eyes was not open in the realm of the spirit but he was a man of love he was a man that was hospitable and in the spirit of hospitality which is what paul then said in hebrews 13 that let's be hospitable especially to strangers because some have entertained angels on our ways that means abraham did not know abraham did not know Yet, the entire promise of God to him hung on his hospitality. Hung on that awareness. Hung on that sense of discernment. Even though it's not clear, but there is something in my heart that is telling me to reach out to this person. Even though I'm broke, something is telling me to pay this person's school fees. Even though I don't have money, something is telling me, you know, get something and serve this person, give this person. And you just, you just pick it up as a sense of urgency. The person's problem now becomes your own problem. You're not running up and down, trying to help somebody. Don't realize, you see, another thing again is this. We hear this thing a lot that what you sow, you reap. And that's true. But there's someone between the, that sowing and reaping. So reaping is a concept in resurrection. In the natural, in agricultural sense, what you sow, you actually reap. You can't sow mango and reap pineapple. But in the spirituals, in the spiritual realm, it's not quite like that. God is the one that gives the body to the seed. You can sow 
help and reap fruitfulness and the fruit of the womb. You can sow anything and it becomes anything. God can give a totally different body to your seed. God is the one, is the middleman between your seed and harvest. You can sow helping someone in school and just helping the person and just always taking care of that person and all that. And then you reap a multinational job. You can't link it. Sometimes the things that God brings as a harvest to what you have sown, they are not linked. Because God is the one that does the algorithm in himself. What you sowed is what you reaped. But how the body, the manifestation, the magnitude, the degree, the measure, the intensity, you can't control that anymore. God can. So you may just have given a cup of water. But then Bible says you receive a prophet reward. How does cup of water turn into a prophet reward? Because guess what? You can sow 5,000. You, you can even sow 500,000, but you don't need 5 million. What you need is a child. So when, when you sow 500,000, God is not saying, ah, 100%, and then you multiply it and give 5 million, and then you're like, oh, he has multiplied. That is not what God is doing. He will meet you at the point of your need. You. Because you, you can even give 2 billion for a child. You don't need 5 billion. You don't need 200 billion. You need a child. And all you did was give a cup of water. And then the reward is totally disconnected from what you gave. And those kind of seeds, most often than not, will come by discernment. Where you just sense that this is a moment to give. This is a moment in destiny. A moment I must not shy away from. A moment I cannot be rational with. When it comes to discernment, it is often irrational. This is why you must marry somebody that is willing to be adaptable. If you marry, so imagine Abraham went to Sarah and said, need it, run quickly. I'm tired. Ah, what's all this now? And then she's like, eh, who are they? Who are they? Three men. From where? <laughs> Do you know people like that? He's like, don't stress me. Just imagine. With all that energy, Abraham hastened around quickly. Everything. <laughs> she just poke water. Everything just warm. Then the three men are sweating in the living room. Then Abraham will run up and down. <laughs> They won't even have asked where is Sarah because they would be too angry. That's if they don't even leave him before the food is ready. Because imagine you marry someone who is not willing to move at the speed of discernment. At the speed of discernment. Eh? Hello. Did you get why? What God says. I remember when, I think earlier this year, we needed to give to the screen, and then God told me that I would give the first one million. And it was at night, late at night. My wife just, you know, she woke up, she went to use the restaurant, I was praying at the time, and then I said, babe, God has said we should give one million. He said, eh, okay, that's fine. And she slept off. I said, just like that, you won't say, you won't ask, you won't question how, when, we're expecting two, two, two children, two children, two. She just, that's fine. Because your wife can be a resistance to your conduction. You are conducting electricity. Then there's rubber on the other side. So God is moving through you, but it's trapped. It can't go to the other side. Because in the marriage, you didn't discern. You now have to be discerning. Before marriage, you didn't discern. You now have to be discerning in marriage. It will work. Amen. <laughs> Don't be afraid. 
God will lead you. Don't worry. God will lead you. Amen. So, when it comes to the most profound encounters in your life, most often than not, they won't be obvious at first. It will depend on your discernment. And most often than not, it will depend on your discernment of people. Are you able to see God in men? Are you able to? You, Melchizedek did not come as Melchizedek. He came as the king of Salem. Almost like the other kings, he just finished slaughtering. But he looked at him and said, ah, this, there's something different. He's, he's not discerning of spirits. It's discernment. This thing is different. And I will show you how you can become heightened in your discernment. Amen. Praise God. We need to move fast. Hallelujah. Hmm. So Abraham with the three angels in human form, Hebrews 13 2. When your love is deficient, your discernment will be low. Abigail and David. That was discernment at work. Abigail met him on the road. Abigail perceived that this guy was coming. Then she got to the middle of the road and began to eulogize him. She was not a prophet, but she began to say things about his future. That you will be king, don't worry. She discerned his destiny. And the way she talked to him, David looked at her and said, ah, ah, I'll go marry you. Now you are going to marry. Don't worry, make a chop king first. Discernment. These are examples of discernment in scripture. Number three, Moses' parents. Every child was getting killed and they surrendered for their children to be killed. Do you think all the parents would, didn't, didn't want their children to survive? Every parent was surrendering their children to be killed because that was the order of the king. But they got that child and they said, ah, ah, this is a proper child. Angels didn't tell them. Nobody told them. They just discerned. This is, a pro this is not the child that should die. This one. No, 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 no. Let's find a way. Let's let him escape. And they orchestrated somehow or the other. See, when you are acting by discernment, you just know what to do. You just know what to do. You don't need to, you don't need to research. You don't need to ask any questions. You just know exactly what to do. You are just led. How did they create that technology? Put slime on the body. Put him in a basket. Put him in Nile. There were crocodiles there. The, 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 the soberness. The fact that they were so much in control of their faculty, they knew exactly what to do in such a tense moment. People were killing in the next house. Soldiers were slaughtering babies and they had the, the reposity. They, they, just, they just understood how to behave in that moment. They were calm. So if you are the kind of person that is always under pressure and you misbehave, see, you need to, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. You, you need to, even under pressure, be able to calm your nerves and act in discernment. See all the elaborate things that went into preserving Moses. Whilst his mates were getting slaughtered, some people will not even know how to behave. They will be all over the place, scattered. Hey, Oriyami, saying things that I'm not supposed to say. Yet you, you find this woman, instead of her getting overly emotional, she found strategies. Things that would typically take months to figure out. In that moment, she just figured it out. This is how to preserve this child. And the thing just went downhill. And then, bam. The daughter of Pharaoh. And guess who they called to come and service and nurse the child? The same mother that orchestrated everything. Discernment. Discernment. To preserve you. To help you. You'll just be saying, thank God. Ah, thank God I didn't take that job. Thank, I, thank God, thank God. You'll just be thanking God in retrospect. <laughs> Joy is laughing. <laughs> oh, Lord. Amen. 
David in attempt to rec recover Ziklag. David and his men had been plundered. They were run. I mean, the people that came to plunder them were running off. And then David, are you not supposed to be trying to fight and run after those people? Then you see a man that is about to die on the streets. And then you're like, let's help this man. Uh -uh. Why? We have, we have an assignment. We want to go and recover our wives and children and all the things that they are taking from us. What is your business with the man that you didn't put there? Let him rot away. Like, we have other things, pressing needs. I said, no, let's sort this guy first. Wow. And every moment they were giving water to this guy and bread, these guys were running farther and faster. And this guy paid all the attention to this guy, not knowing that he was one of the servants to the people that plundered them. And that was how the guy gave them all the information and detail of where... Because if they had met them on the road, they won't have gotten as much more. If they had met them on the road, they would have gotten only what they took. They met them at their base. So they had been plundering, plundering. Where they were keeping everything. That's where they met them. Slaughtered all of them. Packed everything. That was the first big break David had. Sent all those things to all the places that had helped him. All right? So, it, so what he thought he was losing, he was gaining. The speed he thought he was losing, he was gaining it in massive conquest. So he, he may have lost speed, but he's gaining something in return. So every time you think about losing time, think about David. If you are acting in love, you may be losing speed, but you are gaining something bigger than speed. Because that speed is now going to work for you. The speed of others is now working for you. Because by the time they get to their base, put everything that they have stolen in place, then David now comes, slaughters everybody, and carries everything. If they had met them on the road, they would have just collected their children and everything and left. But God, God delayed them with their love work. If not because David was a lover, he wouldn't have discerned. Because if your love is deficient, your discernment will be low. If your love is deficient, your discernment will be low. It will be low. You won't see things clearly. That's why the Bible calls it the more excellent way. Because on that way, you can't miss it. It's the more excellent way. When you're on that way, on that path, you can't miss it. Because you're on the way, the more excellent way. Love. So you see David and the recovery off Ziklag. Then you see Mary discerning the timing of Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus had not done a single miracle before Cana of Galilee? Because it was recorded that it was his first miracle. First. And all we hear about him between 12 and 30 is that he was subject to his parents. Doing carpentry, delivering people's products, learning carpentry, learning, learning, learning. And for 30 years, this woman did not say whatever he says, hear him. But in that moment, she just knew that the time had come. Angels did not tell her it was 30 years that... But in that moment, she, because look at Jesus' response when, you know, she says, this guy needs to... Like, what, what, does, what does that have to do with What's my business? Like, have you seen me do miracle before? What's your own? Like, what's my own now? But then she goes to the people and says, whatever it is, time is... So it almost felt like Mary was ahead of Jesus. Mary had known that today, not today. Hey, you're about to release that glory here in this party. And then she tells everybody, whatever he tells you to do, do it because I sense, I sense something. Something is about to break loose here. Something. And the thing just entered him. He said, gather the water pots, fill it with water. And, and the manifestation started. 
but it was at the behest of Mary. If Mary had not given them that precursor, that preparation, he could have said it and they're like, I beg, where then they sell uh, for yeah, Bacchus? <laughs> because Mary had to prepare the ground. She was not offended. She didn't say, am I not your mother? Why are you talking to me like that in front of everybody? She was not your Yoruba mother. <laughs> I can't be talking to you like that and you embarrass me. Because look at how Jesus responded. He's a woman, you know? Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, what, what have I to do with you? <laughs> like, my, my time has not come. And she said, I know, don't worry. It will soon come. <laughs> that time will soon come. Whatever he tells you to do, whatever, do it. Discernment. She didn't see any spirit. She didn't see anything. She just sensed it in that moment. Sensed it. And it must have come from the place of love for the party owners or the governors or the wedding folks, the, the couple. Is this how they will just go? No. It will now start well and end in sadness and sighing and everybody's ah, now nah, wow for this party. Oh, and I don't get money on a day, organized party. Eh? Even Zobo, we don't see the trick. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, whatever he tells you to do. Then you see Eliaza and securing the wife for see God will lead you you just be sincere you don't need spiritual sophistication just love the Lord and be sincere God will lead you how do you go to a strange land of course your people are there and all that and you are to look for one woman for your august son and you get it to the T And he prayed. He said, God, help me in this, my journey. Give me God's speed. And he got there. And he just felt, okay. The, 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 the camels or the, the animals, but give them water and all those things. That's the person. And, you know, he just, it was, in his, he was just saying it in his own heart. And as he was saying those things from his own heart, God was confirming it. And there was a profile, and it was the specific person that was ordained of God for Rebecca, I mean for Isaac to marry, that fit into that profile. Because he was sincerely just following the promptings of his heart. And as he was going, he was praying in the spirit. Quote and unquote now. Discerning, trusting God. I see the person, this one is looking fine. Nobody this one, nobody this one. Nobody this one. <laughs> Let me know what came to my mind. some predispositions bad examples of discernment Samuel with Eliab <clears throat> prophet Samuel sees Eliab and that's what I said covetousness you are so overly moved by appearance when people with big money big cars come around you begin to shake you are looking for their number you want to connect you want to you, ah, calm down calm down calm down what's the big deal calm down Calm down. You're already seated with Christ. Samuel looked at Elias and said, Ah! Behold! He began to prophesy. <laughs> Behold the king of Israel. God said, I've rejected him. The one that I chose, you can't even see him here. So even Samuel fell short when it came to discernment. A prophet, oh. so if a prophet can fall short of discernment, even though he has the discernment of spirits, you get the gist. 
can have design of spirit and, and still be. Better one is discernment. And that's the one God has made generic. Everybody can have that. So, Prophet Samuel, who had access to design of spirits at a high level. Samuel. Hey, Samuel. That guy, his words never fell to the ground. Perfect in all his ways, as far as his prophetic ministry was concerned. Yet, this guy got it wrong in discernment. He looked at Eliab, saw the broad shoulders, six packs, looked at the height, and was like, boy, this guy, they, they give. They give royalty. <laughs> They give. Aye! And it was, he wanted to start prophesying. I said, beg, 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 beg. He's not the one. I, I have rejected. He didn't even say he's not. He said, I have rejected him. That is, they brought him before. <laughs> they brought him before. So they checked, they brought his CV. I checked it. I have re- rejected. He said, he didn't say he's not the one. I have, before now, don't re- I've rejected him. Are there people that God has rejected, but you are now accepting? God has rejected it since, but that's what is now exciting you. <laughs> this job, and God has rejected it. So if you will just check what God has rejected, you will see that it's on the list of what God has rejected. How about you discern? Ask God. Don't be quick to make decisions on the strength of compulsiveness, what other people are doing, social media, pressure what you think you should be doing by this time. Who told you what you are supposed to be doing at this time? It is only discerners that should that know what you are supposed... That's what the Bible talks about the men of Issachar. They knew what Israel ought to do. There were men who saw the times and seasons ahead before they showed up. Those are the people that should be telling you what you ought to do. Not what social media is showing you. It is men of Issachar that you should be paying attention to. Amen. Amen. So we see Samuel and Eliab. We see Samson and Delilah. And you see one of the things that affected Samson is that he removed himself from accountability structures. This one is very important. There are some things God will never tell you, no matter how long you spend on the Mount of Sinai. If you like, spend 50 years on the Mount of Sinai. God will not tell you you will die from counseling 3 million people. He won't tell you. That is, there are some directions he has routed through your accountability structures. If you will not hear it from those accountability structures, you will never hear it from God. God will never tell you directly. Never. There are some things that only Samson's parents could tell him, but he had rejected them. So he lost an edge in life. But imagine the people that told you that your power is in your hair. Are you not supposed to stay close to them? That what next, sir? They are the first people you rejected. Started running after the very things that they called the antidote and the what do they call that thing? Kryptonites to your Superman. The very thing they said you must run away from, that's the one you now started loving. Because you would not be accountable. Might can be deceptive. Social media following can be deceptive. Money can be deceptive. So the people God has placed over you, because they don't have the money you have, they don't have the might you have, you think they don't have the authority they are supposed to have. They still have the authority over you. Put yourself under them. Authority does not have to be braggadocious. Authority is authority. They had the authority over Samson. They were the ones that literally held the calendar of his destiny. Yet, he despised them because of his might. He had gotten away with every single disalignment before. There was no way he could have figured out that this was going to be his last. 
every time he has been in disalignment, he always got away with it somehow. He will just show himself, carry gate, go up a hill. I don't understand. Carry gate, then climb the hill with a gate on your back. Hey! Just to show off. <laughs> Samson. Proud, self-conceited, you know. And then he, he legated his parents to the background. Are there people that you know they are God's mouthpiece over your life, but you have relegated them to the background? You know they are God's mouthpiece. How far you have come in life is because of them. But because you now have the money, you now have the resources, you have relegated their voice to the background. You don't consult them anymore. Be careful. Because Delilah will come along. You will think she's your friend. You will think she's your future wife. That's the devil right there. So there are some discernments that will never be directly from you. It will be from the people you have submitted to. No matter how spiritual you are, some things God will route through others to you. And if you don't, if you're not accountable to people, you have missed that class. Imagine if you fail, you have really failed. Think about it. That is, you are the last man and the first man supervising your own destiny. Are there not people that should your rod miss it? Other people are serving as a shield. That if the sword of Elisha misses, the sword of Isaiah will not. The sword of Jehu will not. But you have made yourself so vulnerable that if you didn't hear, nobody can hear on your behalf again. Because you are no longer accountable. So that is the role of accountability structure. So that should, in case you did not hear, somebody else will hear. And if that person does not hear, somebody else will hear. Just to preserve only you. You cannot supply all the resources you need for your destiny. You cannot supply it. No matter how spiritual you ever get. How can you be Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth? The man that spoke face to face with God. And you were in obvious error that could kill you before your time. And God did not tell you. And it was a, an old man from Midian with a walking stick that came and said, Oh God, what, are, what am I seeing you are doing? And that's, shouldn't you have just said, See, you just think, God has left this your generation. Median. God has left that. What was Median? We are the reigning prophets now. Is this what I did in Egypt? Go and ask now. Go and, go and ask. <laughs> and I tell him, you could have despised Jethro there. You could have despised him. But he, he recognized the voice of God in the voice of Jethro. And he heeded. He didn't even edit it. Everything Jethro said, he did it exactly. He didn't edit it. And God preserved him that way. But you want to get into a relationship, you don't tell anybody, you just enter. You just, you just slide into the DM. You just slide. Don't tell anybody. You don't. You, do you really think telling someone will hurt the person you told? Or like, do you think when you tell people, the person you told will not benefit from the fact that you told him? It's a burden. It's a responsibility. Nobody's, ex nobody's excited to pile up responsibility on themselves. It's for your good. Don't say, I don't know what I'm talking to. Are you about to... Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Samson, God had structured Samson's life from beginning to the end and gave the blueprint to his parents. And those were the first people he despised. Be careful. The people that you are most, you know, you are most predisposed to getting upset with, there is a destiny connection with them. Don't let them offend you too easily. Maybe a pastor, it may be a relative, it may be a father, it may be a mentor. You just don't, you just feel like hey, the one is too much. They are the ones that carry the weight. 
the stature that your destiny is supposed to you know carry they, they carry it in their mouth when they speak those things weigh something imagine that samson's parents were begging him and he wouldn't listen begging that don't don't choose this lifestyle this thing will negate the call of god upon your life so what do you know do you know how many followers i have on instagram just i mean do you know how many follow imagine you can you remove gates put on your back and you just uh, live and you you go up a imagine how many followers would have samson strong guy fine boy can't get locks again everything just they give imagine what well, this is on you <laughs> Everything just the... I mean, you would think that, I mean, this guy... It's, it's easy to judge these people in retrospect. Put yourself in those contexts as well. Put yourself in those contexts. Are you still submissive? Do you still have a submissive heart? Do you still have a submissive heart? Do you still check with people, ask questions? Do you think this... Even if it's your friends, do you submit to their intelligence? There are areas your friends have superior intelligence, ideas and stuff. Submit to them. Don't be full of yourself. Submit. In the multitude of counsel, the Bible says there is safety. You are safe. You say, if I show them, they'll be jealous of me. What was your problem? That means if people show you things, you're always jealous. That's why you're projecting your own impression on them. That means whenever people show you good things, you're always jealous. That is why you're always saying, if you show them, they'll be jealous. It's because you yourself, that is how you are. So you assume everybody's going to be like you. Praise God. Let's move quickly. So we have Samson and Delilah. We have the new and the old prophet. I'm sure we know what that context is. God tells the new prophet, do not visit anybody. Do not eat. Do not talk to anyone. Just do your stuff and come back. And then the old prophet comes along and says, well, God told me the exact opposite of that. And I've been in this ministry game for quite a while. I mean, I'm the man of God here. You are just a boy. So listen to me. Come with me. Let me give you food and stuff. Just interesting. It was the old prophet that buried the young prophet after the young prophet dies. The guy literally expected his death and went ahead and carried him and buried him. So be careful. He wasn't discerning enough. God had given clear instructions. <clears throat> now, this is one of the passages of scripture that ministers used to not be accountable to men of God. They will say, ah, old prophet, new prophet. God told me to go. You are telling me to stay. I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. Remember old prophet, new prophet. Old prophet says stay. Yeah. New prophet, God told new prophet to go. So I don't want that situation. Because if something happens now, it's you that will still come and bury me. But God showed me something one day and it just changed the perspective. The new prophet and the old prophet did not know themselves before that day. That's the difference. They didn't have any relationship. So be careful of prophets that you don't have relationships with. They are the ones that destroy destinies. They are the ones. They will just come. <laughs> they will just come. Alafia Fonile. Atifi on me. Ah. Mori Ogoye. Mori Ogoye. Mori. Sorry. You know, there was, there was a guy, I went somewhere. The guy just came, just. <laughs> and he started talking, he started talking. I, I, I was led not to engage him, I just heard Thank you. He just warmed up and then and I left. And he said something that, sincerely, if I paid a lot of attention to it, because usually, uh, they are familiar spirits, hope you know. 
they know things. They know what is going on in your life. They know it. And that's why they can be so accurate. They'll be telling you stuff and those things will be making you like, wow, wow, God is talking to me. No, it's not God. It's familiar spirits. Be careful. You don't know them. There is no track record of how they have preserved you over time. They have not been shepherds over you over time. They have not spoken over you. They have not taught you. They have not, they've not inspired you over time. Then suddenly they are giving a word that is defining. Be careful. That is the context of the old and the new prophet. They did not know themselves from Adam. But if an old prophet that you have always known comes like Jethro, better listen. Amen. Let's move along. Then we have John the Baptist in the prison. The same person you anointed and ordained. Now you are saying, is he the one? Whereas it was offense that was speaking forth. Remember again, your discernment will always rise and fall on your love walk. If your love walk is deficient, your discernment will be so low. How can the person that ordained you can now be questioning you? Are you not realizing that you are questioning yourself? You are literally putting your entire ministry on a scale and you are saying, you don't know your ministry. You don't even have anything. You are not even a prophet. How can you ordain a man and come back and say, you are not a prophet. You are, you are not the man that I ordained. That means you are literally putting your own ministry at stake. But he was willing to do all of that just because he was offended. Just because he was offended. Go and ask Jesus, is he the one or should we look for it? Really? The same man you ordained in, in Jordan. The man that... It was the entire purpose of your entire ministry. The reason why you baptized was because of the day Jesus was. The entire years you baptized for was for that day. That was why the moment you baptized Jesus, your ministry went down purposefully. That is, as it was going down, you should have been rejoicing because the purpose of your ministry was already done. This was why at the beginning, he was actually having that attitude. He said, I must reduce, I must decrease for him to increase. So the moment he ordained and anointed Jesus, his ministry literally functionally ended. Because what, why he was baptized was because God wanted to give him a sign that would help him uh, recognize and identify who the Christ was going to be. He said, upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. That is the Christ. So he baptized God knows for how many years. Just for that one day. Then this day shows up. And then your ministry begins to go down as predicted. Because after that has happened, there is nothing you are doing again in ministry. Then you became a commentator, you began to be a commentator, you can start commenting on the king, everybody, why did you marry this person? And then, then they lock you up, and you continue to talk, you couldn't stop talking. And say, ah. So nobody will come and visit me in this place. Even Jesus. Ah, now wow, my cousin, my, my mentee, the person that I called into ministry. You should better know that I can remove that call of God upon his life now. I was what I called him. In fact, let me call Thaddeus now. <laughs> Go and ask him. Is he the one gone safe? Because I can, I, I, I'm in the prison of Dominion. I don't say I have authority. I can ordain another person. Really? Hmm. And it's funny how Jesus did not. <sighs> Jesus is just amazing. Jesus did not tell them what, if they had told him, would have helped him. Jesus, the, the things that Jesus began to say after his disciples left. You would have expected that Jesus would say it in the presence of his disciples. But Jesus did not say that. Because see, sentiment does not encourage. It is the word of God that encourages. Sentiment does not encourage. Because what that man needed was the word of God. But sentiment would have been very flattering. Because everything Jesus began to tell his own disciples after John the Baptist's disciples left... Were the things you would have expected that he would say in the presence of John the Baptist's disciples, so that they would go back and tell John the Baptist that did you see what Jesus was saying? Ah, 
that of all prophets born of woman, you are the greatest. Nobody like you. And then he said, hey, he said that. Wow, wow. Then you arrange his shit. But Jesus did not say that in the presence of John the Baptist's disciples. He didn't. He let them leave first. Then he started talking to his disciples. He said, who did you go to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wing? He said, no. More than a prophet. He began to eulogize John the Baptist. So of all women born of, of all prophets born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And he began to eulogize John the Baptist. But what did he tell his disciples to tell him? He said, listen, this is the proof that is written in the prophets that see, he will do a lot of signs and wonders and all of that. And he said, listen, so when, when they came, what he did was that he got that people that were sick. They saw it. So he literally created a crusade to confirm to them that he's still the Christ. Because that is what the word of God predicted. So he confirmed all those things. He said, go and tell him that the blind see, the lame walk, all right, the dead are raised back to life. And blessed is he that is not offended in me. So they went back with the word. We don't know if he was encouraged by it or not. But the next thing we hear is that he's dead. And he was beheaded. Perhaps he, he left offended. <sighs> Discernment. How can you, having discerned the Son of God, at some point you now cease to discern him because of offense? The same person you called the man of God over you, suddenly you're like, ah, this is no longer my man of God. The son you had already called your son, you're now saying it's not your son. You know, things you had already confirmed by the Spirit, you're now reversing it because of offense because of offense sentiments does not encourage sentiments has a timeline you flatter someone flatter they will need another flattery next month they will need another one next two months but give them the word ever fresh the word god gave me in 2011 till today is still working because it was the word of god he gave me i will never leave you nor forsake you he didn't send somebody to flatter me and say, ah pastor Dami, you are the best thing since sliced bread no that's that's not what i needed that's not what i needed Sentiment is good, but it does, not, it does not last. Flattery is good, but it does not last. Jesus could have said all those amazing things in the presence of John the Baptist's disciples, but he chose not to. He knew what he was doing. He said, let me give him the word and the evidence that the word of God told him that the Christ was, continue, was going to continue to do. So that by the time he hears that Christ still did those things that the word of God predicted that he was going to do, then he will be encouraged that indeed the word of God is still true and this is still the Christ. Jesus is so strategic. So you see that offense can make you less discerning. You know, man, sorry, let's quickly check something. Oh, dear Lord. Good. So, the word offense in Greek means scandalon. And it means to be stuck. Offense is one of the greatest sins in the realm of the spirit. It's, it's a very powerful stumbling block. You can't be offended and move forward. This is why your love walk will always create a way. It's the most excellent way. So whilst you are walking in love, you are moving forward. Because you are on the most excellent way. The moment you get into offense, you, there is a roadblock in front. You can't move forward again. You are stuck. Wherever you started your offense from, 
that's still where you are. So it keeps you in a, in a bubble, in a time bubble, where you are not moving forward even though time is passing. But you have stayed trapped in a past experience and you can't move beyond it. Offense. It's terrible. The love work is what determines the strength of your discernment. Are we still together? Very powerful. Then Esther in the palace, bad examples of discernment. As she got to the palace, she began to get comfortable. She was no longer discerning of the purpose for why she was sent to the palace. It took a Mordecai. Thankfully, she had an accountability structure. So imagine there was no Mordecai over her life. She would have become worse than Vashti. Hope you know. So be careful to criticize people if you don't have structures that can help you to not become them. So you criticize Saul. You don't have Nathan in your life. You will do worse than Saul did. Amen. So the reason why Esther did not feel like Vashti was because there was a Mordecai that she listened to. Mordecai was a father. Even though he was a gate man. Hmm. This is the queen of Persia. The queen in the palace. Yet Mordecai will send her a text and say, let me see you outside now. And she will just find a way to excuse herself and she will go there and will, because they, they couldn't know that they were connected. So she will go there and she will, he will speak to her, what's wrong with you? I get, you're, you're, you're losing your mind. You're getting distracted. I see you at the party, you're just, you're just chilling, taking selfies, sending it on IG. What's your problem? You're supposed to be praying and fasting. Uh, Shushan is in danger. The Jews are going to be killed any moment from now. Better get it. And he said, yes, sir, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I, I'll change. So tell them to start praying for me. I would also get into prayers. And this was how the Jews were preserved. If Esther was not a submissive person, the Jews are lost forever. Jesus does not come forth. Do you know that? Because a man would have killed all the Jewish seeds that could have brought forth Jesus some hundreds of years down the line. So when we say be accountable, hey, hey, please. Nobody is interested in controlling your life nobody really there's enough in our lives <laughs> there's enough honestly but it is see, so, so a, a wife told me recently you know she was telling me that, ah, that i was this close to reporting my husband to you and i was like don't worry that the purpose of having the possibility of escalation is its own purpose i'll explain what i mean so you don't have to ever use me to use me if i'm the one as an accountability structure over a relationship you don't have to ever report your babe or your guy to me to have, for me to have served the purpose that I serve in your life because the fact that I'm there is working by itself if I'm not there then that person is a loose cannon there is nobody who can escalate to should he misbehave but the fact that there is somebody you could escalate to it's already doing its work so that person is kept in check so you we're not saying come and be reporting every day but if there's anything that is worth reporting you can report that can report is keeping him in check already so accountability structures are for your own good imagine you're married to someone that listens to nobody hey doesn't listen to anybody everybody he could listen to he has bribed them and bought their silence nobody can call him to order and he will show up immediately nobody scandals all over the place because of these things all over the place he was very careful 
uh, traditional wedding is all that is required. I'm not see, see, we will not use Jen. Nobody would need to come to church. It's okay. We don't even need to have the church wedding. Do the traditional, but go to about a lot the moment you start having issues. Start going to some go. When you start having issues in your marriage, go and meet the herbalist. Don't come to the church, oh. Should be traditional weddings, all that, that matters in your hypocrisy. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We need to move. Wow. <laughs> Hey, Lord have mercy. Okay. Uh, all right. So quickly, I'll run through the examples of discerning of spirits in Scripture. We have Paul and Silas, all right, and the demoniac girl, right, in Acts 16, how they discerned that she was not from God. That was not discernment. That was discerning of spirits, all right. Uh, Elisha, Gehazi, and the army of Syria, 2 Kings 6, that was not discernment. That was discerning of spirits because they saw into the spirit realm. They saw things. They saw chariots. They saw horses. They saw fire. They saw all those things. You will see things. You'll be able to appreciate them almost in another world with your senses. But it's a spiritual sense. So you're using to appreciate those things. All right. Jacob seeing angels ascending and descending in Bethel, Genesis 28. Paul and Elimas. All right. Acts 8:13. Mary and Zechariah. They spoke with angels. They had open visions. All right. Jesus and the devil in the wilderness of temptation. That was. Discerning of spirits right there. Jesus was not going physically to anywhere. He was dragged up a mountain. <laughs> there was no, it was not a physical thing. It was all in the realm of the spirit. Everything that was happening there, Luke 4, Matthew 4, they were all in the realm of the spirit. So that was discerning of spirits at its peak. <laughs> Amen. So those are examples of discerning of spirits. Now, predisposing factors that works against this discernment. Predisposing factors that works against discernment. Number one, love of money. Love of money. Remember I said covetousness, right? Love of money. If you love money, God will, he will be using donkeys you will still not hear. That was the problem of Balaam. He was a greedy man. He was a man full of greed. God told him, don't go. Don't go. Then he continued to wear God out. Then God said, oh yeah, go. But hear me as you are going. Be listening to me. Continue to check with me. Then he stopped checking. Because of course, they had promised him a lot of amazing things and all those things. God how can God use donkey to talk to a prophet? Donkey. So you see that a prophet can be high in the sign of spirits and low because maybe only him heard the donkey. That's the sign of spirits. Hope you know. Because a donkey is talking to Balaam. I'm sure many people didn't. Not everybody heard him. Because it was, the message was for Balaam. So Balaam heard the donkey. That was the signing of spirits because a spirit spoke through donkey to Balaam and Balaam heard it. So he used Daniel's spirit to be less discerning. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? That means discernment is more powerful than discerning of spirits. Because this man was using discerning of spirits to be less discerning. You were hearing a drunken speak to you, yet you were still not discerning that God did not want you to follow those guys. That the oppression they were going to employ you to come and execute was not God ordained. You did discern because you loved money. So they bring a job, you love money, you don't even ask God. See, you already know, how can God say no to this one? Didn't God say, we'll make my way prosperous? <laughs> is it not the same God that said, we'll make my, my way prosperous? This job is, for, is from God. It has to be from God. Gain is not always godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be careful. You are covetous, you love money. It is a fast way to lose discernment. You will just be eating everything on, on Babylon's table. 
you will enter Babylon and say, eh, 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 eh. The king will call you to dinner and then you will just eat your life out. But there were some people in Babylon say, no, we will not defile ourselves with the king's meat. It was not discerning of spirits. It was discernment. Ah, ah, no. This is not the kind of meal we should be found eating. This, is, this, this table is dedicated to idols. Give us vegetables. Give us pulse. Give us water. We'll be fine. Check us out after some time. Check us out. We'll just come and check us out after some time. Discernment is powerful. So you go to NYSC camp. Amen. And in three weeks, you lose your orientation about Christianity. They'll say, Brother John. You will forget that they used to call you brother. And my name now is Kipo. You go and look for one funny nickname. Change everything. Look different just so that you can rebrand your, your style. Amen. Mm. Love of money. Numbers 19 tells us that. Lost for women and power. Because you can lost after women, you can lost after power. And then we find that in Samson and we find that in Saul. If you lost after women and you lost after power, you can't be discerning at the same time. You can't be discerning. You can't be discerning. The moment you are, a, you are power drunk, you are just all about power, just that power control over people, you can't be discerning. You will destroy things that you shouldn't have destroyed just so that you can have power at all costs. You will destroy a little boy that is not a threat to you. You will throw javelins. You will get everybody in the army of Israel to be fighting at one single little boy. Just because his existence is a threat to your life. You are so insecure because you lost after power. And that power, you will still not get it. It's the sad reality of lost. You will not get that which you lost after. Sad. Because you will drown in that thing and you will still be thirsty. That's how lost works. It fills your mouth with gravel. So it's like, it's like you are taking salt inside water. You know when you are taking salt inside water, you are still just as thirsty as if you are not in water. That's how it is. So you are drowning in that which you lost after, yet you are not satisfied. You are lost in after, so pornography and all those things, but yet you are not satisfied. Money, you are asking for it, but yet you are not satisfied. You are still always grappling at everything. You are not satisfied. Come and buy bread, milk without money. Come and buy. It's your desire God is looking for. Your sincere desire for him. Come and buy that which really satisfies. And your real currency is your desire. Love him. You feel the desires of your heart. Love of money, lust for women and for power. Be careful. Your discernment will be in all times zero. It will even rise. Because what? Why does discernment exist? Because things are not what they look like. That is why it exists. Do you understand? The reason why discernment exists is because things are not always what they look like. So the porridge looks like it's good and yummy, but that is your destiny in a plate. Discernment will help you realize that. No, 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 no. I'm not that hungry. It's okay. I'll go and cook a bag. Ah, should I just cut the game? Let me go and cook it. Am I so in a hurry? You're lost. You just lost after things. Your discernment is on an all-time zero. God cannot help you. God cannot send anybody. Accountability structure, nothing. So when you're in a mess, nobody can help you. God cannot even send your conscience because you have deadened everything. 
because you love money so much you love power you love women you love anything that is not of God those things predispose you to not have discernment hunger that's Esau a good example pride talked about this in Samson more elaborately if you will not be accountable you will inevitably fall victim of the dangers of deception no matter how spiritual Moses ever becomes God will not tell him some things only Jethro will tell him sometimes our discernment is dependent on our humility and honor for others for example there are areas I, I wrote this there are areas my wife is my, my wife is my discernment in those areas so my wife is is like my discernment because she is stronger in some areas of discernment than I am and I know that my wife can just know things about people without knowing them and she tells me that ah, I listen yeah and she's not preaching yet she's not scabbing. she's not she's not vibrating like me <laughs> but she can see things that I may have to pray some more to see she might just see it discernment so you need people like that no matter how anointed Daniel is if his friends don't pray he does not see visions and he knew so he didn't pray in isolation he would gather his friends and his friends were also not jealous people they would also pray because by the time he interprets it's not them that gets the credit but they're fine intercessors cannot afford to be power grabbers or credit hunters I must be on the no if you're an intercessor the first demand is humility you can't be the kind of person looking for credits no so they knew that this is their role to pray and fast so that Daniel's gift can rise and they were comfortable with that and Daniel also understood their role in his own gifting and destiny so there are people you need in your life don't be proud you can't be a one-man one-man army doing everything by yourself running the entire show get people look for people to serve and to help you serve people ask other people to help you as well amen, amen. so you alone cannot produce all you need you need to trade you need to give others your strength and leverage their strengths as well so there are people that need you go and give them your strength that is your seed for those that you that will come and now serve you as well so people so someone is volunteer or someone has an NGO and needs volunteers go and volunteer there if you ever if you ever intend to start something volunteer go and give your strength somewhere someone will come and give their strength to you as well you will start something one day someone will just come and say I'm giving 500 k for this and you're like how where God gave the body to the seed finally how to build strong discernment three things very important be full of the word be full of love be full of the spirit be full of the word Hebrews 5 11 to 14 Paul speaking about those who ought to be teachers but we're still babes and we're unskillful in the word of righteousness he said that uh, milk is for those that are unskillful but strong meat is for them that are you know of, of strong age or of mature age those by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil full of the word you will be more discerning see the word of God is an algorithm it is it is when you have read the word of God over and over and over and over again it's like a security system anything that breaches it there will be an alarm system in your spirit you have read so every every storyline is a security system so anything that breaches it that does not look like it 
but he's trying to come and deceive you. So for example, you have read the Bible over and over again. You've listened to teachings. Anyone that comes in the profile of Delilah, your security system will notice it. That this is Delilah. They may look like Esther, but they're Delilah. Because the word of God, you have read it. You understand. It's inside your spirit. You may not have it in your memory, in your head like that. But it's a security system inside of your spirit, man. So anything that is not consistent with the word of God, the moment it, it comes near you, the word of God will raise an alarm system. It will not raise it. And you will just be a bit more cautious. So the word of God is very powerful in helping you to become more discerning. Number two, be full of love. This one is very important. Philippians 1 from verse 9 to 10. Talking about how that you are bound in love unto all knowledge and unto all judgment, which is discernment. So that you can approve of things that are excellent. You can choose the right things from the wrong things. You have moral superiority over situations and circumstances. You know what to do per time. You are, you are so discerning. You just, know how, you just know how to speak. You know how to do. You know how to behave. You know how to behave in situations and circumstances. You know how to talk in, in times. And, you, just, you just know how. It's discernment. And it's because your love is abounding. Your love is abounding more and more and more and more. You are loving people. You are serving. You are giving. You are being a blessing. Hallelujah. And then be full of the Spirit, Ephesians 5. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Talks about how that uh, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. All right? How you understand the will of God is by being full of the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit means you're praying in tongues. All right? You're speaking in tongues every day. You're charging up yourself, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, getting your spirit man to be so strong and to be able to discern and check things, all right? You can go and listen to um, the teaching we listened to at um, the TNT, which is Living by Prophetic Design, would really, really help you. That's one way to stay in discernment, all right? Pray in the Spirit a lot. Walk in love a lot. And be a person full of the Word of God. These three things will immune you from deception. You cannot be walking in love walking in the spirit and being full of the word and be a, a victim of deception it can never happen never jesus overcame the devil by the word of god all right you can't be full of the word full of love full of the spirit and be a victim of deception it can never you can't marry wrong you can't you'll be hearing stories but it will never happen to you what the bible say a thousand so, before you begin to fear, at least have a thousand. Did you hear what I just said? That's the confidence that God gives me. That any bad example must be a thousand around me, not a thousand away. A thousand at my side. Then ten thousand. So, eleven thousand bad examples must happen in my vicinity before I can be a potential victim. That's what the Bible gives me. That a thousand will fall, ten thousand, and he still said none. So that they have happened, and then then I now know it's none. <laughs> so it is not to eleven thousand. What's even what's the chance? The chance is zero, because the Bible says even when eleven thousand are falling by your sides, none will still come near your dwelling. <laughs> See how immune you are. Don't be afraid. So when we say all these things, it's not so that you can be you be afraid and you touch your chest. Hey, who we marry?
Rashi Mari, say it like that. <laughs> ah, God will help you. Because you are subjecting yourself to sound teachings. You're listening to God's word. You're walking in love. You're walking in the spirit. Is it Yorubas that say, Toba Kudir, come on. I don't know how they say it. It used to sound very deep. Can someone help me with this? If it's remaining, let me just... If it's remaining small for a child of God to enter into a pit, something will happen. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you get No matter, like, just about when you're about to fall, something will happen. Just before you say yes, something will happen. If you walk in love, you're full of the word, and you walk in the spirit, God will find every possible means to rescue you from deception and manipulation. Because that's why we need discernment. Because things are not what they seem to look like. Jobs are not what they seem to look like. Traveling out is not what it seems to look like. <laughs> Be discerning. Discern your location. Discern your partner. Walk in the spirit. Walk in love. glory thank you father for utterance tonight we ask that we establish in this truth and in all righteousness in jesus precious name amen god bless your hearts before we go we may have questions anyone maybe five minutes can give to questions any question any question any question any all right isn't he yeah the way I look at you, do you, <laughs> do you want to scare me with your question? <laughs> Good evening. All right. So the question has been on my mind for a very long time. Um, when you say walk in love, yeah. What exactly does love work? What is it? Helping, giving money, or being a nice person? Exactly Very good question. Love yeah, good question. So, the love walk is your disposition, your attitude, and your behavior towards others as influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's your love walk. Because love is a fruit of the Spirit. So, your love walk is your disposition, your attitude, your behavior towards others as influenced by the Holy Spirit. Anytime you think, behave, act towards others in disalignment to the influence of the Holy Spirit, you are not walking in love. God, the Holy Spirit will never influence you to act think and behave towards another person outside of love even though sometimes it would ask you to rebuke someone do you see sometimes it would ask you to resist someone and that's love because love is not sentimental love is as influenced by the holy spirit and that's why it's patient long-suffering kind all of those things but then you see faithfulness as well, steadfast, long-suffering. That is, there are some attributes of love that are 
dogged, resistant. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't wear out. It's strong. It has stamina. And it is as influenced by the Holy Spirit. So, and the good thing is, whenever you don't walk in love, you know. Because your conscience will give you the memo. Say, dear sir, please find attached. <laughs> your last non-loving act towards your neighbor. <laughs> so, your conscience will send you that memo. You will know. Except you have deadened that conscience. All right. Everybody's conscience is triggered. Your conscience does not care when you are wronged. <laughs> no sense. It will be easy to speak. <laughs> but the moment you wrong someone, it will speak. It will speak. Because the objective is to keep you in alignment. Because if everybody listens to their conscience, nobody will wrong anybody. So nobody would even wrong you if that person is listening to their conscience. So the conscience job is not to check if people wrong you. That's not the job. That's not the JD. The JD of the conscience is to probe you and continue to poke. You have not asked God for forgiveness. It's your coconut head. You have not asked. It's a problem. It will continue to poke you. That, that thing you said is wrong. Ask for forgiveness. Say you are sorry. Send a text message. Pray. Intercede for that person now. That's the Holy Spirit through your spirit, through your conscience, probing you to do the right thing so that you can be back in alignment with Him. That's love walk. Does that help? Thank you. Any other question? All right. Mr. Mara. Thank you, sir. <laughs> all right all right i've been so, doing <laughs> all right go ahead all right so um my question is how do yeah. you manage situations where to you you feel like you've acted in discernment well, okay no, because you are acting in a, in a system where other humans are involved and sometimes you cannot control their, their disposition, their action within that situation that you find yourself. Take, for example, David. Yeah. He found himself in a job that could have ended his life. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do you handle those situations? You know, you are sure that you discern that this person is your life partner, right? Uh, that person is not discerning your discernment. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so how do you manage it? You have to pray for the person to, to discern your discernment. You can't move forward without the person coming into the same boat with you. There's no way, you can't go anywhere. It's like, you know the person is supposed to be in the boat with you, but the person doesn't think he or she is supposed to be in the boat with you. You can't go forward because you're moving forward is supposed to be with that person. So you just wait till the person gets their confirmation and joins you. So both of you need the conviction. All right. But if, if it never happens and you move on, if it never happens, the person says no, 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 over time, usually you just give the person sufficient time if you're sure it's the person. But the person has over time said no. Move on. You're not trapped because somebody said no to you. Even if the person could have been the right person, there's another right person outside of that person so if the person keeps saying no you move on all right <laughs> the kind of the job right so the fact that you experience bad situation in a job does not mean it is not god's will for your life 
That's why you don't judge by appearance, like Jesus. You don't judge by appearance, by the sin of your eyes. So, you know, no. Again, love, discernment. Because if you are walking in love towards Saul, you know that this person is not the one in control of himself. You know, you, you still be praying for him. You still be trying to serve him. And you know that you would even feel like you are his last chance. So you can't, you, that's even the kind of job you can't quit from. Because you know that if you leave, he, if he's already possessed and, he's already, and you are, it's only your guitar that is saving him. Just imagine if you are not there and all that. So, of course, protect your life. I'm not saying now, throw the jab, say, uh, what was that thing Jesus said on the cross? <laughs> and then you just surrender and then, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Of course, you, you deserve the right to leave and then you protect yourself and all that. But the fact that a job is tough and all of that does not mean that's not the will of God for you. doesn't mean. Because that's perhaps even the best thing for you to be doing in that time because he needs to expand your capacity because he knows you will come back as a king. And if you don't go through that season, you will become worse than the person that you criticized. So he wants you to go through it and understand the dynamics. All right? Because uh, I've literally lived through that context before. So I understand what I mean. So usually God will give you a timeline. He'll tell you, okay, you're supposed to be here for, it, for this period. And that period may be very tough. But you shouldn't jump out of that process because it's so tough. You exhaust the timeline before you move on. Yeah. Any other question? Any other question? Any other question? All right. Thank you. Um, I hope we're, we're blessed tonight. There's a question online. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, sir. Can discernment be a process or like not prompting you to take an action per time, but the process of either realization or improvement of something? Hmm. I read it. Can I read it again? Okay. Can discernment be a process or like not prompting you to take an action per time, but the process of either realization or improvement of something? Yeah, I can take all those forms. Okay. But usually it's preventive than curative. So discernment will not... After I have made an error, then be trying to help you recover it. If you must have violated discernment if you got in trouble. Trouble is one of the proofs that you violated discernment. Not hardship, but you get into trouble because you violated something God told you, or you suppressed counsel, you suppressed accountability structures, you didn't walk in love, you suppressed your conscience, you did something, now you are regretting it. Of course, Holy Spirit, discernment can still help you navigate out of that situation, but it's original intention is so that you are not caught in that web in the first place um again just to also corroborate what you know minister maro said the fact that you're in a tough situation does not mean god did not lead you there that's so you you need to constantly be doing course correction the same way the fact that you're in the palace does not mean god sent you there do you see because gain is not always godliness so this is actually the reason why we need discernment because things are not always what they look like you can be in a good place at a good time and it's a bad thing for you and you can be in a tough place at a terrible time like person also taught us some weeks ago how you know uh, paul was in jail but amazing things were happening because he was in jail he was writing he was singing he was getting people saved amazing things because that was god's plan 
even though it was a tough time, tough season. But he himself could tell that God led him there. Do you understand? So it was not, a, and that's why he could sing. He could, he could feel like he was in control. Even in that situation, he was in control. His chains were broken and he was still praying and saying, nobody should run away. Don't kill yourself. Don't take your life. And he prayed and he got people saved because God led him there. God had told him from the beginning that I will show you many things you must suffer for my name's sake. So suffering was actually a sign <laughs> for Paul. Anywhere he went and he was not suffering, he'd be like, he'd be like say, God, no, send me come here. Because Jesus told him that I will show you things you must suffer for my... That was like his, the theme of his ministry. Everywhere he went, shipwrecko, vipero, bitino, something will happen. But as those things were happening, it was redounding to God's glory because it was getting people saved, getting people baptized, all those things were happening. So he was led there. Discernment led him there. So usually when you find yourself in tough seasons and you know it was God that led you there, don't be perplexed. Don't be anxious for anything. God, God will bring the good out of it and then you realize that, wow, this is why God led me here. And in the same way, when you find yourself in plenty, of course, give thanks and all that, but be sure it was God that led you there as well. Because it's possible it was the devil that enticed you there so he can kill you. Be careful. Don't bow to him because he wants to give you the world. Don't sell your soul. Alright? So judge not by the hearing of your ears or the seeing of your eyes. Judge by the spirit of discernment. Look at all the seven dimensions of the spirit of Jesus in Isaiah 11. They culminate in discernment. He shall not judge. Okay, so it's important that we pay attention to that. So yes, the Holy Spirit will help you prevent getting into trouble, but there are times it will send you into wildernesses to be tempted of the devil so that he can prove the power that is at work within you and bring glory to himself. Praise God. A word for more messages connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.